In today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. There's not a problem with the wealth that we have, but how, how many times are we taken away from the remembrance of Allah because of that wealth? How many times are we reminded of Allah because of that wealth? That's the question that we really have to ask ourselves. It's not the relative uh, wealth or, and or poverty. As we know, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, many of them were very wealthy, others of them were very poor, but their, their, their key concentration was on what does my poverty or my wealth do for me vis-a-vis the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Salim here with my co-host Ghadar. Ghadar, assalamu alaikum. How are you? Wa alaikum salam. Salim, how are you doing? How was your Eid? Uh, good, alhamdulillah. Yeah, Eid Mubarak to you and to all the listeners out there. Um, Thank it's you, good to you. good to be back. I, we were away for a while uh, with the Ramadan, but uh, it's good to be back. Um, and mm-hmm. we're we're going to talk today, inshallah, about um, depending on who you're talking to, uh, a, a topic that is beloved to some, maybe not beloved to others, and that's money. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we're yes. going to talk a little bit about money management. And I think uh, I can think of really um, not many other people who are would be a great guest uh, to to share their insights on this topic than our guest today. And uh, that is Joe Bradford. Uh, Joe Bradford, for I think uh, for our listeners who aren't aware, um, he he has a master in Islamic law um, from University of Medina. Uh, he studied uh, traditionally in the Muslim world for um, over twenty years. He serves as an ethical finance advisor to individuals, institutions, um, and is, you know, considered an expert for about Muslims and finance in North America. Um, and I'm really just glad to have him on. So uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Joe Bradford to the podcast. Assalamualaikum. Alaikum. Assalamualaikum. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You guys? Alhamdulillah. 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 We're hanging in there. Hanging in there. So Joe, um, I think the, the, uh, the, the podcast sort of grew out of a uh, earlier discussion that we were having um, about the connection between our personal uh, financial uh, lives and the community. Um, and so today, you know, inshallah, we'd, we'd like to sort of uh, discuss this idea of financial planning on a personal level, and then perhaps maybe also connect it to how that plays a role in the overall health financially of, of, of the community, especially uh, living in, um, in North America. So I was wondering then, you know, t- to begin um, our discussion, um, you know, a lot of times when we talk about personal finance, it's often uh, considered, I think, you know, when we discuss it in our Islamic circles and uh, gatherings, it's, it's very much relegated to the fiqh aspect in terms of the transaction uh, so something, you know, obviously no, no interest, right? Riba, everything is all about that. You know, most of our discourse is about that, um, or it's about, you know, maybe it's about ethical business practices or, um, some type of transaction, whether it's allowed or not. But a lot of times, um, we don't actually talk about the idea of wealth and the idea of saving of the idea of growing our wealth and what are the um, the spiritual and ethical considerations in that. And so from that sort of broad starting point, I was hoping maybe you could start us off um, in this discussion, talking about some of those elements uh, from a spiritual and ethical point of view in financial planning, uh, which is a lot of the things that you also discuss in your own work. Right. So, you know, the to give everyone a little bit of background about how I got involved in this area, um, you know, I actually, before going overseas to study, 
was attending a lecture in a mosque. And, you know, before the age of podcasts and, 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 and Skype and all of the different types of ways that we're able to connect nowadays, people would uh, dial into an international uh, conference call number. You know, 15 messages around the country would pay 1500 you know, uh, each would pay $100, you know, $1,500 total to AT&T to get an international calling, call, calling, you know, line for conference call line for like a, a, an hour and a half, fax some sheikh overseas their questions, and then, uh, you know, everybody in their individual messages would translate what the sheikh was saying. And so I remember after this hour and a, lo- hour and a half litany of everything being haram by the sheikh that was asked these questions, um, one of the gentlemen that was there at the masjid got really upset and he said, you know, is everything haram? I mean, I'm a father of six, seven children. I can't stay in an apartment. How am I supposed to buy a home? How am I supposed to sit? And he was just flustered. And that, uh, this was like in the 90s, this, it, it, that really like stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And so when I went overseas to study, I started to uh, focus on financial issues. When Muslims talk about finance, and you are very right in that so many of our conversations are very particular about the mechanics of halal and haram, uh, and very particular about the fiqhi, you know, Islamic legal minutia re- uh, related to it. But a lot of times we miss out on some of the larger precepts, the larger the larger concepts of of um, of you know of wealth management of uh, of uh, personal finance uh, of you know financial planning or even life planning you know um, we we have to take into consideration you know the Prophet Alaihi said um, that the two feet of a slave will not move on the day of judgment until he's asked about four things one of them is about his wealth, where he earned it, and how he spent it. And so that actually, you know, pretty much covers the four, what are considered kind of the four pillars of personal finance. And that is your assets and your debts, your income and your expenses. You know, money in, money out. How much of it stays, you know, over and how much are you paying off in the long term? And so we really have an imperative as Muslims to think about why we own what we own, why we owe to others what we owe, um, why we why we make what we make, and what types of you know employment and and, and gains uh, do we seek to uh, to, to, to earn, um, and then what types of expenses uh, and payouts are we are we incurring. Um, and so my, my, my journey went from, you know, working in the Islamic finance industry uh, to coming back in the summers and then engaging with community and seeing that there was this huge gap between what Muslims were th- worried about, you know, what kind of structure is my mortgage um, to, uh, you know, am I actually, you know, doing my duty as a Muslim in, uh, you know, ha- gainfully permissible employment and 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 and, and responsible uh, responsible ex- expenditure of what I've earned um, and all of that has to circ- you know has to circle back to 
that idea of us being accountable for our wealth on the day of judgment. Oh, mashallah. Um, uh, and I hope uh, that by the end of uh, this sheikh, uh, that that gentleman is happy. <laughs> the uh, the guy who said, <laughs> the guy who said, <laughs> the guy who said, is everything haram? Yeah, but, well, you know, um, that, that, that is, I mean, uh, I think one of the frustrations I know um, is 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 that is uh, not so much in that like everything is haram, but I think that we've so we've so much limited the conversation to the nuts and bolts as you mentioned, uh, rather than the the broader objectives and sort of the state of the heart of of what we should be considering uh, when we're um, you know trying to acquire and, and grow our wealth. Uh, and I and I think also that we tend to have um, uh, you know when we consider wealth, I, I think a lot. It's like we either consider like okay, we well, either hoarding wealth or you're going to give it all away, right? If there's not sort of something in between when we talk about it in terms of our a lot of our you know speech, you know we listen to khutbas and things like that. We don't see we we don't really hear a discussion so much about responsibility, which is the last thing you mentioned in terms of responsibility in our wealth, uh, in terms of a sensible approach to managing wealth. A lot of right. times, like, you know, we sort of paint it as like two extremes, either you're completely, you know, uh, hoarding wealth and, and, or, you know, or on the other hand, on the other side, you're just like being like, you know, Abu Bakr and just giving every single thing for the sake of Allah and his messenger. You know, you do you you provide you know um, advice to you know clients in terms of financial planning. How do you how do you instill in them the sense of the need to plan? Because I I think the re- one of the reasons behind us wanting to talk to you today is that there certainly is um, amongst uh, amongst the whole population, but also particularly in the Muslim community, uh, for for those uh, of us um, who who have some means, right? Uh, you know. Of this lack of planning for the future, not only for your own um, your own self, but for your 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 family, for your um, uh, you know for your community, there just seems to be sort of a lack of of a plan, I should say. Um, yeah. So how 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 have you tried to um, instill the and, and emphasize the importance of sound financial planning um, with um, you know the people you advise? So one of, you know, one of the ways is by broadening the concept of, of what it means to, to, to have money. Uh, you're absolutely right that so much, of our, um, so much of our conversations, our communal conversations, whether be, they be in lectures or khutab or podcasts or you know, reminders, we, we, we kind of have these, you know, we're hitting the ceilings and hitting the floors of mm-hmm. You know, giving everything away, or you know, you know, being amazing and being the millionaire that entered Jannah, and not none of us are saying enough, uh, you know, about or not, we're not saying enough about being the middle class guy that, you know, that cared for his family and gave his zakat on time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we we have, you know, it's like it's like our conversations about about qiyam al-layl and, and tarawih in, in in Ramadan, like Ali radiAllahu anhu prayed a hundred rakah a night, like. Okay, you know, and why aren't you pr- you're not praying to anything? It's like, okay, well, can I be the guy that like hits the middle? Like, you know, prays his witr on on time throughout the year so that when Ramadan comes around, it's easier to pray tarawih, that type of thing. That that type of a uh, a conversation I think is missing a lot of time. So what I've tried to do is instill in my clients the this sense of of really tying 
the psycho-spiritual to their money. Because a lot of people think that finance and financial institutions and financial policies exist outside of uh, the values that we embody in our society. And everything from, you know, governmental agencies to your local bank is built on a value system. The problem is, is that those values are not stated up front because it's very cold, calculative, and almost uh, sterile and thus uh, safe to attribute everything to numbers. Oh, the numbers went up, the numbers go down. In reality, when you know you're when you're trading in the stock market, when you're saving your money, when you're spending it, you are you are exercising a a spiritual organ. Um, the one of the the beautiful hadith is found in the Muslim of Imam, of Imam Ahmed um, that the Prophet والسلام, he said, "Inna ruh al fi raw'i that the Holy Spirit breathed into my countenance. A soul will not die until it completes all of its sustenance and uh, lives out its entire life uh, lifespan. So be mindful of Allah and seek beautifully. Because what is with Allah is not sought through his disobedience. And so what I try to do with my, my, my clients is I say, okay, one thing that we need to understand is that we have to inject this idea of beautiful excellence, ihsan, and jamal into everything that we do, including our money. Mm-hmm. And so even when we are making, like we've got, a, 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 you know, we've got, uh, we've got optimal. You know, everybody says to me like, you know, like Joe, tell me what the... Like, what is the 100% halal, you know, uh, Sharia compliant, you know, Zabiha mortgage so that I can buy my home and not have any worries? And I'm like, that's only available in one place. They're like, which place? Like Jannah. That's, like, that's the only place. Right. Otherwise, you're going, because of the nature of this dunya, the nature of this world, we're going to deal with compromises. We're going to deal with. Uh, with with uh, with problematic situations, we're going to deal with less than optimal. So if we can't if we can't do what's ultra optimal, then we should not automatically default to you know this like monochromatic idea of well we can't do what's optimal. Why might as well just do everything that's haram? Like what is it that's mm. what's permissible, but um, but second best? What's permissible? What's ethical? yet is not optimal. When we have the choice between optimal and merely ethical, yeah, obviously, let's go with what's optimal. But when we have the choice between ethical and unethical or unethical and impermissible, then obviously we should be choosing what is ethical just because it's not the best thing doesn't mean that it's not the best in our personal circumstances. So with my clients, it's always been this idea of beauty, of excellence, and then of translating that into financial terms or, or, or into decisions about finance. Right, mashallah. Uh, this is really appreciated, Sheikh. Uh, when uh, you state uh, that we sort of, uh, you know, tend to, uh, you know, derive our spiritual psycho, uh, you know, uh, path, so to speak, 
maybe from our uh, Marvel hero, uh, you know, uh, you know, characters or whatever, like either be, you know, uh, the, the millionaire who gives away everything or, or don't, um, you know, so, uh, so either everything or nothing, you do uh, stress on the ethics of it. And, um, you know, in the dichotomy of uh, fiqh or no fiqh, uh, I guess for a layman like myself, I always fall into this uh, parameter of the hadith, istafti qalbaka aftok. So what are the ethical parameters that I can, um, you know, apply, or at least the key ones of them uh, that I can apply into my dealings whenever I approach this, whenever the fiqh optimal uh, solution is not there for me? Um, and I know that Salim talked about the plans, so to speak, uh, you know, but I was interested more of the conceptual ethical parameters, uh, if you will. Uh, and, and then through them, we can maybe go ahead and create a plan. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that I think that number one, um, you know, the first the first kind of ethical parameter that we have to ask ourselves is, uh, you know, is what I'm doing, um, is what I'm doing falling into a gray area, right? The hadith of Nu'man ibn Bashir, in al-halal abayin wa al-haram abayin, wa baynahuma umurul mushtabahatun la ya'lamuhunna kathiru min al-nas. That halal is clear, haram is clear, between the two are ambiguous matters not many people know of. That means that some people do. Therefore, to be that some, to be one of those some people, uh, education is key, and um, and 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 understanding the situations that we're getting, not simply sufficing with well, so and so told me or my friend said, um, and 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 inculcating ourselves a sense of personal responsibility, I think, is one of the biggest. Um, one of the biggest ethical challenges for a lot of Muslims nowadays, because there is a sense of uh, amongst more practicing Muslims that are maybe in tune with traditional scholarship. So I know this idea of taqlid and I should be following or emulating the opinion of someone else. Um, and so that, that there, there's a almost like a false taqlid of thinking, well, that just means I relegate everything to someone else. When in reality, I mean, scholars did not mean that when they talked about taqlid. They were talking about deference to experts, and in, in particularly in religious affairs, um, deference to muftis who, who can uh, answer the question. However, the mufti in, in and of themselves can only answer a question based on the information presented to them. Right. They can't answer beyond the scope of information that's made available to them. And you as the questioner have to, you know, you have to take it upon yourself. To, you know, you have to take the responsibility of educating yourself so as to present the issue that you're asking about in the best uh, in the best manner possible. So I think that's one of the first things. And the second is at a personal choice level of, you know, is what I'm doing harming others or not? You know, no, there shall be no harm nor reciprocating harm. I, you know, I should be making uh, decisions that are not, um, 
that are not uh, harmful to me nor are they harmful to others and looking at that in in the big picture uh and then i would say also um you know one of the other ethical considerations is for you know th is this idea of of seeking beautifully right um that 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 i just touched on touched upon a moment before um of doing what i can in the best manner uh even though the circumstances uh do not allow me to um to do what is completely optimal um and you know if i can you know between these three things of you know education uh uh you know la you know uh negation of of harm and you know embodying excellence and beauty i think in the middle of that you know triangulating those spaces in the middle is where we can find ourselves in a safe spot to make uh the best choice given uh the circumstances we find ourselves in and specific and especially with our money but in in many other ways right. uh as well would you care to give an example uh, I sure i mean just to yeah, kind of contextualize let's, let's say, it or, or give it yeah 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 sure let's let's say for example somebody says that um i want to open a bank account right i mm. need to be able to transfer money i need to be able to write checks okay so the first step is going to say okay well what are the options available to me i shouldn't just walk into my big in my big box uh bank in the area because it's there because because i've saw, i've seen the flashy marketing right or i'm being enticed to buy maybe some form of gift but does that bank does that financial institution really provide the services that i need or are they are they really me in through their marketing might, might i go to a uh local regional bank or maybe even a credit union get the same services but then that goes you know let's take it to the second point of of not harming anyone um which is going to be the most beneficial for where i live local businesses uh are supported by local and regional banks more than they are uh you know national and international banks credit unions are uh based on mutuality on on co-ownership of of the services and so therefore i'm benefiting myself as well as others um so not only am i not harming someone through what i do but i'm also embodying uh, a sense of excellence in sharing risk and sharing reward with others so mm. you know may you know maybe given a person's circumstances going with that local credit union is going to be a better uh overall financial decision than going with a you know, then go with a big brand bank who then eventually is going to be pulling all kinds of fees and other unexpected things. And then you find you kind of self, you find yourself trapped in that system um, and, 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 and spiteful about the financial decision that you made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, that, that's actually uh, um, the, uh, the concept of Ihsan that you were describing before uh, and uh, to your response about the ethical, the parameters of, of managing wealth. I want to sort of bring it to a more specific um, uh, topic in terms of let's 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 move ahead and say that okay, I have wealth, uh, I've acquired it ethically, um, that has been uh, already uh, taken care of. So now the wealth is in my position uh, possession, um, and 
in terms of the ethical ethical considerations in terms of what I do with my wealth uh, personally, in terms of whether I save it, whether I invest it, whether I spend it, uh, or whether I just consume it, or some may say even waste it. Uh, so this, I, I, I think for a lot of us, the idea or the concept of the concept of um, of wastefulness, for example, mm-hmm. um, extravagance, uh, these can be uh, we understand them um, conceptually, but to actually uh, define what that means, it's, it's it may be relative. It's it's going to be different for everybody in their circumstance, or it may not be. This question I feel is is a crucial question for many of us in who have you know surplus uh, wealth, right? Um, and th- this idea of well, are we succumbing to uh, materialism and consuming and, you know, uh, buying this and buying that when we should be doing something else with a wealth, either to invest it or to grow it for some reason for maybe our child's education or for funding this project or this or that, or do we save it? Um, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts about defining this concept of extravagance and, and, and consumption uh, from a negative perspective that, you know, that is warned of in our tradition. Yeah, so I mean, you, you know, there's a good point, and I think this actually uh, harkens back to something that you mentioned before, and that was the the idea of uh, you know these juxta- juxtaposed positions of giving everything away versus uh, you know hoarding everything, um, and the conflation that we have between doing good uh, versus uh, fulfilling the obligations that we have. I mean, so the the idea of extravagance has gotten to the point where, or shall I say, extravagance and spending and responsibility of maintaining family members. So many of these concepts have been lost that you have people nowadays who will say, um, you know, can I give my mom's a cat? You know, mm. is it permissible for me to? To give my mother or my grandmother's a cat, obvious. And when I, I'm, it's it's actually pretty interesting because I tell people no, and they're like, "What do you mean? Like, why can't I? Like, the cat is good. Why can't I give my mom's a cat? You know, it's like, well, no, you're supposed to be maintaining your mother financially anyway. Mm-hmm. If you spend all of your available wealth in maintaining your mother, you have done a greater obligation than paying your zakat. Your zakat is the obligation that happens after you have surplus wealth. And so what you find is that people are asking about this because in reality, they had been squandering through frivolous spending or, you know, like, you know, material exuberance or some, you know, squandering and not really planning for their obligations uh, as, uh, you know, as individuals um, and in, in, indulging in a bit of extravagance and kind of, you know, overreach and then wanting to shift the conversations of charity to cover up for the faults that they right. have in their, in, in their, in their basics, you know, um, uh, responsibilities. So, um, you know, that said, there is a lot to be said about, uh, extravagance. Um, and I do believe that uh, I do believe that that some aspects of waste and extravagance are relative, but I also believe, you know, um, like in, in economics, you have this reasonable man theory, 
right? Reasonable actor theory, mm -hmm. where you can assume that someone's going to act reasonably and therefore base that. You know, and, and we have a we have a similar concept in Islamic, you know, financial ethical discussions, but it, it actually I think is is even even better concept, and that is you know the uh, we you know people who possess an uncorrupted fitra and so you know it's not just the reasonability of our circumstance it's the reasonability of what is in the nature of man to do good you know so someone can come and argue and they can say well you know it's relative the kind of car that you drive and it's not extravagant for a millionaire to you know own a uh, you know, seven series BMW, right? Or have a lease on one or, you know, have any other, you know, have a McLaren or something like that. Um, I'm not really a big car guy, so I think I've reached the extent of all <laughs> fancy cars that I know. Um, but I once had a used uh, five series BMW. It, it is the true driving machine, but it is also the true money bucket or black hole for money because – when one thing breaks, everything after that breaks. Never again. I'll stick to my Toyota from now on. But um, that said, you know, I said, yeah, okay, you know, somebody can have a have a BMW, right? Um, they can have a nice, they can have a nice car, no doubt. But there comes a point where even a person who is wealthy recognizes that there's a certain level of waste going on. Hmm. The Prophet Adi saw one of his companions making uh, wudu, and he said, Iyaka wal Israf, be careful, beware of waste. And he said, uh, Is there waste in water, O Master of Allah? The Prophet said, Naam wa kunta ala nahrin jarin. Yes, even if you were making wudu from a running river. Mm -hmm. Because the idea is the, the proper use and preservation of a freestanding resource. So, you know, um, it, 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 it's interesting in Surah Al-Isra, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about waste, you know, um, and do not be uh, utterly wasteful. Those who are wasteful are the brothers of Shayateen. And Shaytan was ungrateful to his Lord. The verse immediately before that, Give your, your closest relatives their rights and the, and the poor, وَابْنَ السَّبِيلِ And the, you know, the, 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 the wayfarer, or the refugee. So there is a, yes, there is a minimum to be met with social responsibility to the, to the less fortunate. Um, that offsets the idea of wastefulness. But there's also a personal ethic of understanding that relative to my position, there's still going to be some things which are just above and beyond. So, I mean, just to, just to, to probe further on this, so an individual may, may, may be able to interrogate their heart and interrogate their, their own position and see that maybe relative to a certain other group that they are, you know, being extravagant. What? But I think for a lot of uh, of society, I mean, uh, especially living where we where we do in the United States, 
you you're you're all in your own bubbles of of social socioeconomic circles, right? And so if you're living in uh in a suburban area, there's a there's a there's a level of expectation of what um what you buy, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you get, how many bedrooms it has, has to have granite, you know, this and that, and it's it's sort of this expectation where it's just like everybody has that and there's not even, so you don't even interrogate and think, well, do I really need that? Is this being extravagant because it's just what everybody else has? And it's gotten even trickier now because now you have this, this, um, this uh, what they call this aspirational class where the uh, you know the generations before it was more of a conspicuous consumption you know of a car or of of jewelry or this but now it's uh, it, it is now relegated to say um going to buying organic foods at whole foods only or uh, or going to uh, such and such uh, uh, yoga classes or this or that it's, and you're spending a lot of money in this but it's it called it the type of inconspicuous consumption and that's also a lot of a highlight of a lot of what suburban life is nowadays um, uh, throughout much of of, of the United States so it, it's even hard it may be harder for for someone to uh, take themselves out of that setting, that bubble to realize, well, maybe this isn't, this, this, there is some level of overconsumption or extravagance here. And I need to uh, really look clearly and think, think, think um, more deeply about whether, you know, it's not just about whatever keeping up with the Joneses is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, that you're right in that we get trapped in those bubbles, right? And that we we sometimes are inundated by the circumstances of our life. But that's one of the reasons why we're called so many times in the Quran to contemplate the mechanics of the heavens and the earth, right? Mm-hmm. And to reconnect with nature. I think one of the maladies of of you know the modern world or the postmodern world is that it is very easy to live a very synthetic life. And it's very easy to to forget where our products are sourced from. And, and I've, I've said it before, and I, and I truly do believe this. You will not find a single instance of opulence in this world, except that it was built on the backs of the oppressed. And that goes from, you know, ancient Egypt to the modern Emirates to the nation's capital to any of the monuments that we find in, around the world. Um, there's a certain level of opulence which just goes you know above and beyond and yes it is it's 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 glimmering and and and, and beautiful but we're we're reminded so many uh, times in the Quran do not overextend your vision to those things that we have uh, given them of the beauty of this world to test them therein and and so in our suburban life, yes, while it's comfortable, yes, while we, we might be keeping up uh, with others, uh, it, there has to be an anchor for us. And, and, and the question is, you know, um, what is that anchor? I mean, I think anybody who's listening to this, my, my, my hope would be like, you know, Surat al-Isra, um, especially there's like two, there's about two pages in Surat al-Isra where so many of these topics are covered. Um, from about you know I uh, you know eighteen to I uh, thirty uh, thirty or or thirty thirty three, um, you know uh, uh, whoever you know longs for the next life 
and strives for that while being a believer, um, then it is those who will have a, a you know their their striving will be shown gratitude. There's not a problem with the wealth that we have, but how how many times are we taken away from the remembrance of Allah because of that wealth? How many times are we reminded of Allah because of that wealth? That's the question that we really have to ask ourselves. It's not the relative uh, uh, wealth or and or poverty. As we know, the companions of the Prophet wasallam, many of them were very wealthy. Others of them were very poor. Um, but their, their, their key concentration was on what does my poverty or my wealth do for me vis-a-vis -vis the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Does it encourage me to remember Allah more or not? Um, you know, some of the companions came to the Prophet wasallam, and they said, you know, ahlul bil ujur. The people of prominence have uh, uh, made off with uh, with all providence, and the people of people of wealth have made off with all of the reward. Um, why is that? They give sadaqah, and we can't give sadaqah. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Did Allah not give you what you can give sadaqah with?" To uh, to 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 say uh, Subhanallah as a sadaqah, to say uh, uh, Alhamdulillah as a sadaqah. Uh, to to command good as a sadaqah, to forbid evil as a sadaqah, and he listed for them a number of things. Um, and then and then when some of the wealthy heard this, they started doing the same thing, and so they came back to the Prophet ﷺ and they complained. They said, "Now you know uh, they have the wealth; they give their money in 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 sadaqah, and they're making dhikr like we make dhikr." The Prophet ﷺ said, "That is the bounty of Allah." He gives whom he wills. What what bounty? The bounty of being able to remember Allah in those situations. So, you know, um, and I think I've gone off on a far enough tangent, but the you know the idea f I I believe is how connected are we to Allah vis-a-vis -vis the resources that we have, uh, or how disconnected are we, R regardless of whether that is you know that is abundance or lack thereof. So this is actually uh, interesting, uh, Sheikh. I wanted to, um, you know, just piggyback off of what you just mentioned, uh, and and maybe to close off with a perfect circle. Um, you mentioned, uh, of course, the ayat in Surah Al-Isra, and uh, you know, after you uh, you give uh, after you, after al qurba haqqahu, you know, and before the tabdir, uh, you know, there's that state in the middle where some of those who have uh, the means or have the um, a level of wealth will say, well, it's not really tabdir, it's وَأَمَّا بِنَعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ And uh, I wanted to ask you maybe just if there is a single distinction where something after you do your duties where you can tell, well, this is tabdir versus, well, this is something that is really connecting my heart with Allah, like you mentioned in the last point, uh, I am just expressing this so that I can reflect upon my family, my children, and so that I can be reminded of the name that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon me. What would be that distinction? I think it, ha you know, it, it has to do with the, the attitude that we have um, towards our obligation, uh, you know, towards our obligations that come up. Um, I have, you know, I, I, I have... Um, seen with with some people that when they 
you know, when they gain a certain level of wealth, then there is also a certain level of heedlessness that comes up. You know, how much, uh, you know, how, how much uh, shukur and how much gra gratitude are you showing after, you know, after a gain that comes through, um, after, you know, uh, 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 buying something, you know, um, after, after, after earning something and, 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 and how much, when that, uh, you know, when that, when that gain, um, comes through, are you, are you, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, are you, uh, uh, dejected and, and, uh, and, and, and mad that somebody's asking you to do your, uh, to do your duty, you know, um, it, 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 although it is, you know, there's a, it's, it, there's a hadith with some weakness in it about a man who, you know, came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him for uh, wealth, and the Prophet ﷺ gave him, and, um, and um, when he gave him, uh, and this is, if I recall correctly, the 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 the, the hadith, um, that. When he gave him, he went and he, you know, found a valley and that, you know, and that wealth that he took sheep or whatever it was, you know, grew to a large extent. And the, the zakat collectors were sent to go and, and collect, uh, you know, collect from him. And he kept uh, preventing, preventing them um, uh, from taking what was ordered, you know, to take from the zakat. And the Prophet ﷺ, uh, commented on him, uh, commented on him, saying, "You know, ma yanqimu uh, ibn Jamil uh, illa an kana faqiran fa Allah. The only reason why he is, uh, you know, dejected or 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 or, 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 or resistant is because he was uh, poor, and then Allah gave him wealth after that. Uh, and and so this is a famous hadith that's mentioned about the person who." Uh, refuses to pay their zakat. I don't want to concentrate so much on the idea of having to pay zakat or not, but on the on the like the psycho spiritual state of the person who fought, who after having been give been given uh, a wealth finds it difficult to actually give more um, to give back. I think when we find ourselves in a situation where we are troubled by our obligations and not troubled by our stinginess, then that is a true sign that something is going wrong. Um, when we find ourselves happy to give because we know that that act of gratitude will not only uh, uh, solidify for us our blessings, but increase them, then that is a sign that, that, that we uh, have a healthy view of our wealth and we know that the source of that wealth is truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I want to I want to switch gears a little bit on, on that point. We touched a little bit you know, about sadaqah. Uh, this concept or this idea of charitable planning. So I mean, you have a personal financial plan. Uh, and for, for people that may include, you know, uh, a college uh, savings uh, for uh, their children or retirement. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, um, it's not very common to... Um, to hear this idea of charitable financial planning. The idea being that you plan in your overall 
a financial uh, you know portfolio that you know you are going to plan to try to give such and such to this charity or to such and such to this charity and it's not just like a one time thing you're you're trying to you may be saving some money to let it grow so you can invest it later so it's more uh, but there's it's it's a whole idea of planning out your sadaqa or this idea of saving to give so mm-hmm. i think what certainly many of us who are involved with uh, Muslim institutions, and in, in, especially in North America, and organizations, you know, who are starving for, um, for, for funding, right? Um, and so, you know, they have all of us have been there. You're at a fundraiser for a masjid or for the sudden such organization, and you know, they're just trying to like. Uh, meet their goal and they can't. Okay, and we're not going to have a discussion about you know fundraisers and and how organizations run themselves and and that's a whole different topic. But I wanted to talk more about our responsibility as individuals in being prudent with our finances, with uh, in order to have a goal to save more, to hold more of our money back, with the intention to give it in sadaqa. Um, you know, and and this sort of idea or this 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 concern came to came to mind with a lot of this discussion about zakat, you know, this discussion about um, zakat eligibility of a lot of uh, Muslim organizations, right? Um, right. The, the whole uh, controversy about what does that mean? You know, and there's opinions that say, you know, it can go to you know, a certain organization or, 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 or it does not. And that's, that's, that's something, uh, it's a different topic that we're not going to talk about here. But more, more so that my impression um, is that a lot of this this drive to of organizations to solicit zakah for their donation drives is because um, it's the low lying fruit um, because they understand that you know everybody at least assuming they, they're doing this obligation they're going to pay their zakah uh, so that's like the the one pool of money that is readily available to an organization whereas it really should be quite different it should be that. We should actually be trying to, if for for many people who are, um, you know, who have some degree of surplus wealth, um, you know, I would argue that you you actually should be paying more sadaqah than you actually are paying in zakat if you have a, a certain financial um, health to you. So by saving or by decreasing our consumption and saving it for to give, so we our 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 community is more driven by. Um, by our sadaqah rather than our zakat. I was wondering if maybe you could speak a little bit about that um, that idea. Yeah, so so I mean, this is a great this is a great topic, and it's one that, and I agree with you totally that zakat is seen as the low lying fruit. Every we know everyone's going to give it, and therefore a lot of organizations don't even try. It's just, hey, give us your zakat. What are we giving it for? We have no idea. <laughs> We're just giving it, and you know, um, a lot of organizations unfortunately have taken. Uh, uh, taken advantage of fatawi from the past uh, about you know the use of fisabilillah for masajid and uh, you know and, and and a lot of those fatawi were given about about uh, masajid being centers of dawah calling in a non-Muslim land mm-hmm. that's very different than you know the community center in the suburban area where the majority of people are Muslim and there's already four other masjids in the area too you know. Mm-hmm. Um, not to go down that road, but I think that, I think that, uh, you know, starting with like the individual financial health in our community and the idea of not just a financial plan, but a life plan is really important. So many of us, our, our planning is centered around, again, the very sterile idea of numbers. So 
I need two million dollars by the time I by the time I retire. Right. So mm -hmm. your financial plan is generally going to have retirement strategy, some kind of risk management role, some long term investment plan, um, something to reduce taxes, and then an estate plan. So you're basically going to put away money while you're working, ride it out after you stop working, pass it on after you after you die. Um, what we do though in trying to reach those uh, those that you know that vision of having that plan that 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 some of our wealth you know passes on to the next generation is that we 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 go to those the very sterile numbers and we only think numerically and we don't think about how we can leverage uh, what we have to actually you know meet those goals and more. So for example, you mentioned the idea of you know sadaqa. Well, definitely if you you know if you are only giving below the standard deduction of uh, for on taxes, then it really doesn't make sense anymore, especially with the recent changes in the tax code. It doesn't make sense anymore to uh, to try and itemize. But you know what? If you are giving a large enough amount of both sadaqa and zakah, you very m may well be like reducing your, your tax liability to the point where it's going to be beneficial for you in the long run. Um, and if you had that in mind, you would you would be able to support the community more, um, both in your life and after your after your death. Um, it, 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 there's two things I think that, that, that come up with the community issues. And that is number one, uh, and again, it goes into kind of like the 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 the, the, the psycho spiritual effect of, of of earning on our life. A lot of us uh, in very large, you know, suburban style masjids uh, are doing very well for ourselves, and that um, that self sufficiency, that false sense of self sufficiency. Uh, gives us the uh, or, or uh, makes us think that our wealth and our money and our lives are going to live forever, and so we don't have to worry about creating a, a you know a a, a buffer in the uh, in the masjid's budget. We don't have to worry about creating an endowment that will earn for this community um, in in the long term. We didn't have to worry about the ideas of sadaqah jariyah. You know, we give sadaqah jariyah for like you know, wells in Africa, right? You know, like uh, grain sharing in, 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 uh, in, in India. We, Sadaqa Jadi is not for where we live. When, um, when in, in reality, I think the whole COVID-19 thing woke a lot of people up to the fact that, you know, masjids were already running on bare bones budgets and a lot of them were hurting. And I think, and I, and I'm hoping that, what this did was show that there has to be some fiduciary duty exerted in the organizations by those who run them and uh, and support them beyond just you know the low hanging fruit of zakat and the ten you know donors that we always seem to hit up all the time, right? Right. Uh, you know, but building endowments, um, building uh, uh, budget surpluses within these organizations. Uh, and and doing so in a manner that that benefits people now, but also later in life. I mean, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that with a lot of churches and synagogues in the United States, 
about 10% of their annual budgets will actually come from charitable gifting of their former members who have passed away. So they will leave to their local church or their local synagogue, uh, the, you know, a portion of their, of their estate. I mean, 10% is a, is, is a large amount given like the rate of, uh, the rate of, of, uh, of passing away the rate of, you know, elder, the elderly in the community and things like that. Now imagine, you know, for our community, if that was the case, there, there could be a, that could be a, a, you know, a stream of income that's coming in at a time or lump sums that are coming in that could really work for the long-term uh, sufficiency, self-sufficiency of the community. So, yeah, I think, I think that, that, uh, that we have to become a lot more, you know, part of going back to what we mentioned in the beginning, embodying that beauty, embodying that excellence, embodying that lack of harm. Right. Educating ourselves on using the system we live in for, you know, preventing harm from others, but also benefiting ourselves in the best way possible is totally possible. But it takes something that's greater than all of that. It takes intentionality. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times yeah. that's where we're lacking. We're lacking intentionality. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean, the, the, it, it requires I mean, long term planning requires such a degree of discipline from both a personal level as well as from an organizational or communal level. And it's, I think it's very difficult for some also, you know, you, you have the pressure as, as an organization, for example, you have the pressure of we have a certain amount of operating expenses and we have to just immediate expenses that need to be paid, right? Um, and on the end of the hand, on the other hand, they have that albatross over you that you have this long-term uh, overall uh, expenditure that that also needs to be met, and so you know for for most for most uh, you know obviously if you have a, a sum of 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 money available you're going to use that for the immediate operating expense, but you know there's there's a certain line that you have to sort of a balance that needs to be made of well if I can give five I can give five dollars now to uh, as a donation now to provide for this need. Or I can hold that five dollars back back for the meantime, and it will be ten dollars, like you know, two years from now for for that cause. But it's really a very difficult um, hurdle for for uh, individuals and certain organizations to make. Yeah, I, I think it is, and I I think that 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 speaks to a lack of vision on behalf of community leaders, and 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 there might very well be that vision. Um, unexpressed, but we have a problem with quietism in our community, where there are a lot of great ideas and there are a lot of people that can that can work to implement them, but the lowest common denominator seems to win out, and um, and and really, you know, a, a a gathering of the mind and a gathering of the hearts is necessary in order to make those things a reality, and we have to ask the um, you know the hard questions. Um, are we giving simply because it makes us feel good? Mm -hmm. Or are we giving because we're investing in our akhirah? And that's the whole idea of sadqajari. I mean, those three things that the Prophet said, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, every action is, or, or, you know, once a person passes away, uh, their actions cease except for three things, uh, a, a righteous child that makes dua for them, uh, beneficial knowledge that is used after them, and a, a, a charity given in perpetuity. It's because the effects of those uh, uh, last, you know, last after, after you've passed. 
and that takes a level of of uh, of emotional disconnect. Yes. Um, it actually has a really odd name in uh, in charitable giving studies. It's called something like uh, terror effect or something <laughs> like that. It's like you know, like the terror, the terror of death. Uh, you know, it 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 ha- it ha- almost has like a securities an- security an- analysis uh, sounding name, something like you know, like terrorist terrorist effect or terrorist terror effect or something. But it, it is the fear of the, the the fear of the horror of death, mm-hmm. which um, which cuts off uh, a temporal pleasure in giving now for a long term, uh, uh, you know, a light a, a lifelong pleasure of 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 a or shall I say hope and a pleasure after death, and um and and that really you know it brings to mind the hadith of the Prophet uh, you know, we de- re- remember much that which cuts off all of your pleasures, uh, death. And, and so the, we, we very much have to get out of the temporal, uh, the temporal, uh, you know, excitement of, of giving now for yeah. the long term, uh, idea of investing in the akhirah. Uh, this is actually a very interesting point uh, sheikh because uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned about the um, uh, the personal responsibility or obligation for someone's wealth to be given to the community and for the long term planning if you will uh, you know through the streams of sadaqa uh, rather than zakah and um, and the likes and i wanted to take it up a notch uh, in uh, you know from the individual to the community, now from the community to other communities. And I say this only because of the constant reminders that we are living uh, in right now, uh, you know, through the different, uh, you know, um, underlying systemic, uh, you know, racism and inequality that we live through the West, especially in the United States. And, uh, you know, in light of the certain things, by the time this, uh, you know, podcast is released, uh, you know, the listeners will probably connect it to the uh, events that are unfolding, uh, you know, in this month, uh, you know, uh, uh, about Black Lives Matter and the ramifications of uh, the death of uh, George Floyd and uh, the murder of George, George Floyd and, and, and all the previous incidents and the, the context that's surrounding, uh, you know, uh, racism against the black community in America. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because in the past, you know, week or so, there has been a lot of different reactions, mostly positive and mostly praiseworthy uh, that are actually... Uh, you know, uh, setting precedents, you know, uh, compared to other uh, incidents of the likes where uh, we were quietest or indifferent, so to speak. And uh, that uh, kind of rhetoric or that uh, those pledges, if you will, are to move or enact suburbia, uh, the Muslim community of suburbia, to be there for their brethren uh, in uh, the inner cities. And if we were to uh, kind of take this up a notch and connect it uh, financially, because this is the, you know, underlying, you know, the asab al-haya of, uh, you know, of, of what this means, 
uh, the, the underlying kind of uh, thought process. How can we plan, uh, you know, uh, from a suburban community to an inner city community? How can we go ahead and extend that idea of sadaqah, extend the idea of the visionary planning uh, to to build something that is for our akhirah and to build something that is for our, if you will, uh, you know, khilafah in terms of taking care of the needy and taking care of our brotherhood, in, uh, you know, in, in general uh, to, to become better. Uh, how do you, uh, what, what comes to your mind, you know, what, when it comes to our, uh, you know, community financial planning, reaching out to the inner city, for instance? So I think that the uh, one very important thing in these conversations is to um, to be empathetic of circumstances, but also not to be uh, uh, condescending of circumstances. And what I mean by that is we have a we have a wealth of resources and talent um, that are found in uh, in you know suburban. Uh, mosques and communities as well as uh, you know urban mosques and communities and 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 sometimes what's missing is not just the the money that's being that, that's being uh, transferred back and forth right a lot of times it is but uh, but but the but the creation of opportunity in a way that, dignifies the resources that are found in those communities um, and, 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 and really doing kind of like a, a full-scale gap analysis of like what is, what is it that's needed and where is it that we can step in um, on the terms of, of, of those communities so that we honor ourselves with our giving, but we also honor those that uh, we're giving to. So, you know, I think one of the, one of the great things that I've seen um, – in uh, in the organizations that I've worked with, is a Sahaba initiative out in uh, Southern California, and so they do a lot of giving um, and a lot of of, of of essential support work for the community, um, whether it be rental assistance, whether it be a food pantry, whether it be uh, transportation, uh, you know, facilitating that, and a lot of the a lot of the organizations in the areas who are from counties that you know, find themselves with a large surplus of zakat and sadaqah and so on and so forth are, are actually, you know, they actually come together through their shura and there is a method for getting it to those organizations like Sahaba Initiative to do the great work that they do. Um, and so building, I think the, one of the, one of the keys is building networks first and for, for, foremost and creating the level of brotherhood. Um, that that our concern goes beyond simply are we giving or are we or are we translating our faith into monetary terms but do we actually care for those communities do we actually see them as integral to the presence of islam and the presence uh, and the preservation of islam that mindset i think has to be there first and foremost and then building you know building upon that uh that brotherhood building upon that the, the idea of uh, of uh, resource exchanges um, where there might be a re, you know an exchange of uh, financial resources for um, for for expertise um, and and I can't say how that's going to be for every community but we we have to get beyond 
the uh, the idea of of uh, people doing us a favor by taking our sadaqah. But there, you know, um, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, we, us doing them a favor by giving our sadaqah. It's they, you know, the the person who is in need is actually doing us a favor when they take our sadaqah. And then secondly, is also um, is is also uh, you know making sure that uh, in areas where we have diverse communities and we have different representative communities that we are. Uh, honoring those communities through our engagement to them or with them, um, and not uh, and not simply uh, using them to facilitate a a need that we have, because it, it just as we discussed before, though that um, that giving um, can very well become a source of of nefs for ourselves, you know, a source, a source of ego for ourselves, um, and and negate the good that would come out of those pro- programs. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 this is this is a very good point, Zakallah Khair. Uh, it, it is certainly not uh, you know given or establishing you know plans to to come from above, so to speak. And uh, Allah knows best. You know, from the limited experiences for those of us who did go into these communities versus uh, the suburban communities, you would see a lot of the. Uh, you would see a lot of the camaraderie and the coming together as a community in ways that money cannot buy. And you would wish that, you know, this extends back to the suburban kind of, uh, you know, I guess desert, so to speak, uh, you know, when it comes to that. Uh, and, uh, and this is my own personal, you know, kind of observation. May Allah forgive me if I do any inadequacy in either camps. But I wanted to, to mention that, uh, you know, that this is something that, you know, hits me when it comes to money, that money is viewed as, uh, you know, the upper level contribution, whereas it's really the lower level contribution. When you mm. say something of the likes of, uh, you know, uh, of, of giving back to the community, you know, uh, let's say towards inner city, uh, you would be like, well, they can give us back a lot you know of what they have you know and, and this is by prioritizing our relationship you know uh, whether we are immigrant community versus the uh, black community of, of the Muslim larger community whether we are reaching out to our brothers and sisters of other faiths you know uh, that's that's also another level of uh, you know thinking of how we can be of service you know how, rather than being of uh, you know just oh we are we're given dawah you know okay great we're given dawah but people do not receive your dawah very well because they you know either through your money or through your speech it's something that is not really well manifested in terms of the spiritual level where you at so yeah. uh, so this yeah. is what I wanted to kind of piggyback on like and 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 kind of maybe solicit more of your feedback uh, maybe from the different experiences that you had. I really thank you for bringing or highlighting Sahaba, uh, you know, in California. But uh, maybe you want to give us a little bit, a couple of more examples, because this is really very timely right now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, when he praises the believers, he says, We only feed you for the face of Allah. We don't want from you any, uh, any reward or thanks. What are the values that we're trying to embody through our act of giving, whether it be 
as you mentioned, like the low level of financial or the higher level of brotherhood and camaraderie and, 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 and uh, the, you know, the, the gathering of the hearts as believers. What is it that we're actually trying to achieve? Uh, I, I, th- I think that sometimes when, when we give and people of relative means give, there is a bit of an expectation that, well, they, those people are ungrateful. They're un- they, they don't thank you. They don't, you know, um, they just expect. And, and, and to me that, that speaks to a greater problem of our, of our own souls than it does to, um, than the souls of someone who has, uh, been without, um, you know, we should not be going into doing good deeds, uh, with the expectation of we gave them now they should become Muslim. You know, we gave them, why aren't they doing this? You know, sometimes you can, you know, you can give to people and the effects of that are not going to be felt for generations. But that seed has been planted. I mean, I, I I was walking in a Walmart in Florida one time, and uh, this lady came up to me, and I was not dressed in any particular way. I just, you know, was walking in, and I had a beard. That's it, basically. And I don't know what it was. She came up to me, and she says, you're one of those Muslim people, aren't you? And I said, uh, yes, ma'am, I am. Uh she said, I, you know, I, th- I, th- I thought you were because I just got this good feeling from you. I said, that, that's interesting. Do you know Muslims? She goes, no, I don't know them. But, you know, my, um, my son had to have a, a, a medical procedure and he couldn't afford it. And the hospital told us to go to the Muslim clinic and they sent him to a specialist and they did it all for free. And so now I just get a really good vibe about you people. And she was just, you know, some regular old lady, you know, uh, in, you know, in, in, in a Walmart, you know, not from a, not from a, uh, a particular, particularly well-to-do class of people or educated people. It's just a very common person. Right. Um, but that sort of, uh, uh, selfless display of value, I think speaks more, uh, to, to our communal values than uh than you know the the the, the very um uh calculated ideas of we gave this much how much did we get out of that you know how many people accepted islam how many pamphlets did we give out yeah. that type of thing. there's no doubt that we should be telling people about islam it's not just right. giving it's not just giving stuff to people. That that's a that's another major flaw, flaw that we that we make. We, we we it's almost like there's no there's there's no call to Islam. That's not you know we we definitely mm-hmm. don't want to get to that point. But at the same time, we can't go into we can't enter the 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 uh, the arena of of the call um, w- expecting an immediate victory. You know. Yeah, I, I, Subhanallah, you, you're mentioning this, Sheikh, and I, I'm thinking, you know, in the realm of things of how we expect sometimes things out of our sadaqah or the, the gratification, uh, you know, whether there's like this shirk khafi in it, you know, uh, you know, sometimes that you demand uh, some sort of reward, you know, that you, you don't, you know, trust in 
what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, 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 is promising you. But then on the other hand, it's always that ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, you know, قَوْلٌ مَعْرُوفٌ وَمَغْفِرَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِنْ صَدَقَةٍ يَتْبَعُهَا أَذَى you know, yes. so mm-hmm. so a, a good a good saying, a good extension of, of of character, of good character and forgiveness and hilm, you know, uh, you know, forbearance in, in treating others is way better, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says than than the sadaqah itself that comes intertwined with a form of harm, you know, and 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 subhanAllah, you did mention in the beginning of the uh, of the of the podcast that you know the idea is la darara wa la dirar. But then we we seem to kind of you know uh, bite uh, you know our own you know uh, you know tongues with with, with doing a sadaqah that comes back with some sort of darar, and um, and and I don't want to speak you know a lot of philosophy or conceptualism in terms of this, and, and I would always I'm interested in you know hearing more of the examples that that you encounter. Uh, so that we can maybe derive, you know, cer- certain solutions in, in in our translations. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to recall like all of the different situations is 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 difficult. But uh, you know, I th- I think that um, you know, I I I, th- I think that seeing for or or you know for our uh, for our organizations, we really have to ask ourselves what is it that the organization is established for right a a muslim organization in an urban environment versus one in a suburban environment versus one in a commuter environment should have no problem coming together and working for the common goal of uh of of, of establishing islamic values if that's what they are based on but too many times our organizations are uh, clubs. They are um, they 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 preach a universal universality, uh, but are are exclusive. And you know, I actually I would very much prefer a a a masjid that has a, a an exclusive approach but welcomes everyone to one that. Uh, preaches its, its universality but uh, in, in reality is is only exclusive I feel that I you know I'm taken advantage of in that one um, by being given fault the you know the false sense of, of everyone's welcome here and everyone's a, uh, everyone's a brother but in reality we're only servicing a certain type of people what are the what are those values uh, and then how and where are the commonalities that we come together? Uh, for increasing the presence of Iman and Islam and Ihsan in uh, our, our broader community. Um, and that can very well be through uh, zakawat and sadaqat and ma'oon and whatever else you know, form of, of, of help co- comes. But I think that a lot of our organizations have the very difficult, com- they need to have the very difficult conversation about what is it that we actually value? What is our vision of the community beyond being a refuge for uh, for people uncomfortable with society as a whole? Yeah, I mean that that's that's sort of a you know as we wrap up here, um, sort of to tie back to to what we mentioned at the very beginning uh, when we're talking specifically about personal finance of 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 not dwelling so much um, on the purely trans- transactional aspect of it 
but rather also um, focusing on the the ihsan or the ihsani approach to it. And that really goes down to you know where the heart is, uh, you know where uh, where is whether we're uh, in our own personal lives and how we uh, provide for our families or whether we're providing to our masajid or our other uh, institutions and organizations in the Muslim community or to broader communities. All of it is going to be, has to return to where our heart is in this, Uh, what our intention is in in doing that. And it has to be, of course, as we know, um, theoretically, we know that it's for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and, and that goes even back to what we said in the very beginning about wealth. So, you know, going back to sort of tie this up, the money that we earn, why are we, uh, what are we doing with that money? What is the purpose of that money? And the purpose is ultimately for the service and worship of Allah. So how is that going to, what, how is that going to be manifest, right? What, 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 what is that going to look like in our families and our local communities and in the broader society? Is there any, you know, concluding remarks that, uh, um, uh, you'd like to uh, uh, to uh, provide for our listeners uh, about some of these elements that we're talking about, uh, just to close things out about personal finance or some of the other issues we've been discussing. Um, before you comment, uh, Sheikhna, I wanted to ask you: uh, Is there a way for uh, you know communities or masajid in general to tap into professional? Uh, visionary planning because you know uh, if we all buy into that and and this is something that is uh, you know I'm sure most of the you know well-intentioned uh, folks are like of course we agree so how do I do this uh, our board is three doctors and three IT people and uh, and and a couple of merchants who are just like it's like how do I how do I do this so are, are there in the US entities that are of Muslim inclinations or Muslim-friendly kind of uh, approaches that we can tap into? Yeah, so let me answer that first, and then I'll, and then I'll kind of conclude with a, a, a summation of, of what we discussed. I, I, I think that one of the people to talk to in that regard is Dr. Uh, uh, Zahar Latif. Um, of, uh, uh, he, he's at the University of Houston. He's a professor of management. And I know that he has been heading and working with some organizations that provide that type of training to communities. Um, and I'd be happy to give you his uh, contact information um, so that you can make it available to, or, or the organization that he works with, so you can make it available to the listeners. Um, but I know that he's actually set up training like that here in Houston, Dallas, uh, College Station, a few other country, a few other countries, a few other other cities here in, uh, in, uh, the great country of Texas. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, I think that there is, but the, 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 you know, the realization, uh, has to be there and the communities have to be able to actually put the money down to be able to, to, you know, number one, know that that's important. Number two, put the money down to be able to move towards that. Um, I would say basically in, in, in conclusion that, you know, our institutions, um, whether we're talking about broader, you know, broader societal institutions, uh, like we, we began it with in the beginning, uh, uh, talking about, uh, uh, you know, banks and, uh, and, and uh, you know, everything from the Federal Reserve down to your local bank, um, or we're talking about community-based institutions, you know, from our Islamic societies down to our local corner store you know, musallas, these institutions are reflective of us as individuals and what we value. And we have, uh, we have been 
reminded so many times in the Quran of aqimus salah wa zakah establish the prayer and give your your charity because our spiritual growth is very much tied to our financial lives and it not it is not until we start to strive for the best uh, in both that we will see um, we, we will see the, the 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 growth that we want in both. Um, when we stagnate in one, I believe that we say we 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 stagnate in the other. For us as Muslims, we really have to ask ourselves: What is it that allows us to embody beauty, embody ihsan? do good to others, um, be just in our approaches and come together uh, uh, for, you know, uh, on that concept, on those concepts um, that propel us, you know, through the dunya and, 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 and to Allah, heart, you know, going back to that verse in Surah Al-Isra, وَمِنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةِ And whoever wants, intends the next life. What, where is our intentionality? What are, what are our wants and desires? Is it material or is it, uh, it, you know, is it something in the next life? And that really has to be what we what we work for. And we use the material wealth that we have as a tool, as a vehicle, um, but not as a, a goal in and of itself. MashaAllah, a beautiful way to um, end a very illuminating discussion. I want to thank uh, Joe Bradford for joining us today. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you on again, inshallah. Um, uh, this was really uh, um, a, a pleasure for us to have you on, um, something that's been long overdue, but uh, I'm really uh, just very grateful that you're able to uh, join us today and share us a lot of your reflections and um, your advice for the community. So, Jazakallah Khair. Jazakallah Khair, Sheikhna. Now we and, really uh, appreciate it. And for everybody, uh, go read Surat al-Isra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to Surat al-Isra. Um, and uh, again, Gaidar, uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, just, I would be remiss to say that you know, for our listeners who want to follow more about uh, uh, Joe Bradford's work, you can go to his web- website, um, joebradford.net, um, and see a lot of the services and, and, um, and things that he provides uh, to the community. Um, Sheikh Joe, is there anything else that you want to add in terms of how people can um, follow your work or engage you? Yeah, I think that uh, JoeBradford.net has got the you know um, links to the different services that I provide: uh, consultations, planning, uh, articles, you know, knowledge-based stuff, uh, courses. Um, you know, uh, I'm active on Twitter as well. If uh, you know, if people want to um, see the uh, frivolous and uh, sometimes meaningless things that I post on Twitter, but I try to be beneficial every once in a while. And um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know. And you were doing some, you were doing some uh, reviews on YouTube too, right? You were some book reviews and things. I remember. That's correct. Yeah, That's correct. Yeah. I, I, that 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 is that slowed down a bit, but inshallah, Tana will be uh, will be picking back up. But yeah, all all of those links you'll find at JoeBradford.net. That's kind of like the the core place to to find most of my work and the links out to the other uh, companies and organizations and, and and projects that I have. So yeah, JoeBradford.net would be the place. May Allah bless your efforts, inshallah. I mean, I mean, you guys as well. Thank you so much for having me on. May Allah put barakah in your health, wealth, and all of the things that you do. I mean, so again, a thanks to uh, to Joe Bradford, and thank you to all the listeners for joining us for another episode. Um, if you're joining us um, 
on iTunes, please, please give us a five-star review, leave a comment on any platform, uh, please share it. Uh, most importantly, share it with your friends and family, anyone who you think may benefit that really gets this podcast out to um, a broader audience. Um, and we thank you for your support. And until then, we'll see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be unto you. Assalamu alaikum.